Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm thrilled to have on Jim Hall, the COO of N2 Publishing. Jim is an amazing person and someone that it's been such a pleasure to speak to. He's a man of deep faith and conviction, crazy drive, and an intense work ethic. But what he's passionate about is building a company culture that embraces people first. And it's amazing the extent to which he goes, to which his company goes, to making the employees feel valued and, and built as whole people. Now, that's fascinating. I'm saying like, like whole people, like they, they allow for like marital counseling and like, you know, faith exploration and all kinds of stuff. It's, it, you know, the, the idea that, that it's truly, it sounds like he's working to create the new company that embraces people as a whole and that people show up and do better work when they're taking care of on all the different levels. And why that's so important is that we oftentimes try to hide who we are and only kind of lead with our strengths. And the problem is that A, that's impossible, B, that eventually the the facade is gonna crack. And a lot of times if you show up as your authentic self, a lot, a lot better things are going to happen and people are going to be much more drawn to you and inspired by you. In fact, that's the second thing that we spoke about was how do you be a successful public speaker? And this level, this importance, this, this crucial component called authenticity um, that Jim speaks about that, that I'm, you know, I'm trying to, to encourage in everybody that follows me is, is the preeminent quality of, of what it takes to be an effective communicator. And when you can be someone that can connect with a message and can make it a, a personal message, um, the, the amount of good that you can accomplish in the world is, is virtually unlimited. So as, as with everything, you know, I, I would love it if you gave me feedback on this episode, how it went with you, how you, what you learned, questions, comments, concerns, anything uh, of the above. And uh, with no further ado, I know that you will love this episode with Jim Hall. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell me a little bit about how you got into N2 and your whole creative and career process to where you are today. A couple uh, it's of highlights. A, yeah, I'd say it's a very long story. And uh, it was a startup back in 2004. And the two gentlemen that started the company were uh, guys that I knew and trusted. And so when I, I knew that they were the ones starting it, I wanted to be involved. And so um, I was one of the first people to join the organization back in 2005. Um, I was on the sales side back then, uh, moved my family to Columbus, Ohio, and gave it a shot for two years. And um, as much as we loved the idea and the concept, and, and we knew we had something special, we just could not figure out a way to make it work financially. And so I actually left the organization in 2007 on good terms. Told them, I said, I love you guys. I love what this company stands for, but I know I got I to gotta get a real job here for a while to support the family. So um, I was- can I, can I stop you on that? Because I think that's an important thing. When When- do you think to go in and when do you think to quit? Maybe walk me through, I don't know how many kids you had at that point or the kind of conversations you're having with your spouse, but how does someone address, uh, you know, an opportunity that, that, that looks exciting like you saw with M2 and then, you know, where, where it might mean a major pay cut? And then how do you eventually kind of part ways uh, amicably to, to kind of pursue? When do, you, when do you figure that out? And what are some of the processes that you um, employed to leave it on a, on a, on a positive term? Oh man, uh, you're tearing up with some scabs here for me. It's, it was one of the most painful things I've ever done because yeah. not only the two owners did I, 
that I love and care about deeply. Um, we had eight to 10 people around the country that had also started. Um, one of them, Jason Heaprink, who's still with the organization, one of our top leaders, uh, you know, he said, he, he calls me as general, you know, early on, I was the one that was helping him and coaching him. And so it was more than just my own financial situation and, and what I was dealing with at home, which was tough. We, um, we lived in a, a pretty small apartment when my wife worked full time. Uh, we had just had our first baby. And so life was tough. And so when, when we decided to, to part ways at that time into publishing, really hadn't figured out what the long-term vision was going to be and how to make everything work. So there's a lot of uncertainty at the time. Um, I just knew that the character of the people involved and what they stood for was so good and so solid that, you know, it made me miserable to think about going anywhere else. And so I, I, clearly I left on good terms. I stayed in touch with both of the owners and, and the rest of the people, cheered them on. And when people would call me and ask about it, I'm like, they're great. Like, keep going. So I was cheering from the sideline. And so I was very fortunate in 2013 that some things aligned with my career and, and as well as with Dwayne Hicks and the CEO, where he asked me to come down here to Wilmington. So I'm, I'm very blessed and very fortunate that it all played out like it would. So it's a, it's a fascinating concept though, because I feel like so, so many people have this, this terrible fear of maybe making the wrong move in a career. And I think that, and, and maybe walk me through the kind of conversations you were having with your wife. What's coming out from this is that you, you don't really make wrong turns. Like you can be in a company, you can enjoy the company, you can take care of your family and you might wind up back. So what are some of the strategies that you have in your life or maybe could speak to for other people about how to look at career in general and kind of staying on top of what, what's working for you versus what aligns with your passions? Yeah, I tell you, um, it pro things probably would have worked out differently if my wife and I had been married longer. We had just gotten married in the summer of 2005 and moved like three months later. So everything was a whirlwind. I was, I had a career that was pretty good, making good money and uh, kind of threw it all to the side to go do this startup. And it was my what was second. She, what was she thinking when you had that conversation? Uh, I don't know what she was thinking. You know, we were, we were uh, honeymoon mode and yeah, yeah, whatever you think works. And she got a job transfer and, um, but it was tough. It put us in a financial situation really early on in the process. And then, um, you know, our, uh, uh, the news of having a baby came very soon after that, which is, you know, God speaking to us at this time. And it's like, man, oh man, we, did, we didn't necessarily plan it this way and it happened. And so, you know, dominoes started falling and, you know, looking back at it now, I, I don't know that we would change anything. Um, and, and during that time that I left, I always, I've always wanted to, to be a part of something that felt like it was my own. And even though I didn't start this company, I'm not a founder. The two founders are, again, I've explained are friends of mine. I had a part in it early on. I, I, I helped create sort of the vision and so forth. And I've always been passionate about that side. And fortunately for me, I got to see the other side. I joined some companies and some organizations that I wasn't necessarily in alignment with spiritually and, and how they took care of people. And, and, you know, they put profit first instead of people. And it, it really made me appreciate where I am now much more. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate to be a part of an organization that truly puts people first. And I, I don't know how many people get that opportunity in their life to work somewhere that that's the mindset. But it's once you feel it and once you're a part of it, anything else, just, it really feels unacceptable. It really does. So I'm, I'm really happy where I am today. I'm happy to hear that. When you say spiritually you're unaligned, I think that that's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it because you might think it's like a company philosophy or something like that. What does it mean to have a, a spiritual connection with the place that you work and how did you cultivate that sort of a, an experience for other people within N2? 
Well, I tell you, um, our CEO, Dwayne Hickson, was, was talking at one time because we, we don't hide the fact that, that our founders are, you know, they're, they're very strong in their beliefs and faith. They're Christians. And, but that doesn't mean that, you know, non-Christians, any other sort of religion that, that wants to obviously, um, you know, uh, being Jewish yourself, we, we, we put, we don't, we'll never put, um, uh, we're never going to put issues over people. Uh, he's a big believer in people first. One of, the, one of the things that we provide to all of our employees, for example, is that we provide um, uh, counseling, marriage counseling. That's and, amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we don't provide it ourselves. We give people basically money to go get counseling once a year if they want to. And, you know, one of the questions came up that, you know, hey, how about in the, the instance of a, a same-sex marriage, would, would you support that? And Dwayne's response was, hey, absolutely. I mean, if it's a legal marriage in, in your state, like we will absolutely support that. And, and so again, even though they're, they're faith-based and they, they believe in, in what they do, they don't project that on others. It's more the, the spirit behind it and putting people first and, and being there to help and care for them. It's in the, in the spirit of what they think God would want to do first. And I, so I think once you feel that, once you see it and you see that they're not putting the issues or trying to to jam things down your throat, you see all the rest of the leaders that have joined the organization over the 10, 12 years feel that same way. And it's really important to us. I, I want to, I really want to like hone in on that for a second, because I think that there is such a, a, a culture, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't like to look at that divisiveness. And, and I think a lot of people play up how much of a culture, you know, shift there is. But one of the, the big concerns that might be coming out is, the role of religion in schools, the role of religion in the workplace. And I, I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to the positive side of that, because in, in my mind, um, like, like what you were saying, I think that it's not pushing one dogma over another, but I think it's probably also religious value of, you know, of, of, of treating people well and loving your neighbor like yourself. And you can find all kinds of, of um, uh, not justifications, all kinds of foundations for the way that, that the founders treat people or the way that, you know, we, people of faith treat others, where it's not like you have to do exactly what I'm doing, but I'm still going to treat you with respect and as a human being. So do you feel that religion has a place or what role does religion play in the professional sphere or in the lives of people that are working in professional circles? I, th I think it does play a place, absolutely. Uh, example, at every one of our conferences, the, the final day, we, we typically have an optional faith message. Um, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but we make that available. And I, I guess the thing you have to be careful with, just like anything else, you can't, you can't hire a team member because they're good on the softball team. Um, you know, you can't hire people because uh, of certain things. Same thing here, just because somebody's extremely strong in their faith, if you start promoting those people or whatever, that's where you're going to create really strange dynamics. And I think one of the things that our founders got right early on, and it was, it was much easier in those first three to five years because there was only, you know, 25, 50 people, and they all knew the founders really well, and they knew their hearts, and they knew their spirit. And I think one of the challenges we've had as an organization is you grow to 200, 500, 1,000 people. Not all of them know the founders personally, and that's why it's so important to us as an organization you know, when it comes to leadership and the, and the people that are put in those positions, they may, they may not agree in regards to spiritually and even the type of religion or whatever, but in their core, they believe in people first and, and providing them the opportunities. Um, and, and again, this is where it gets a little bit slippery. Call that what, what you want, whether it's a relation to God or faith or whatever. You got to be careful with how you say it. 
but at the core, it's about the people and, and caring about them first. So we have, we have a life care team that if people are struggling that they can go out to and, and on, on any type of topic, whether it be family issues or, you know, even addictions. We just, we want to create an environment where people feel safe, they feel loved and they, they feel protected. And so um, I, I think we do a really good job of that. It sounds great, but with you, you personally see that as an expression of your spirituality, though. I just I want to I want to make that point clear: is that is that you see that taking care of other people and building a spirit a, a strong organization is a is a reflection of your religion and how you express yourself. I do. I think I think that's you know uh, again you, you you look at you look at the the history of our organization. And you look at the decisions we make and, and the types of, of um, things that we support. You know, we, we, we are very involved in fighting human trafficking. You know, one of the, one of the biggest um, tragedies of our, of our generation. Um, and, and you just look at sort of the, the opportunities that we create through our, you know, we have a lunch and learn program. Um, we have other uh, things that we offer uh, again that aren't necessarily tied to the X's and O's of people's jobs and, and job requirements. We, we want people to grow and become better people. We want them to become better husbands, fathers, wives, you know, across the board. That's more important to us than necessarily the, the bottom line and profit and X's and O's. If we can do a great job of, of creating an environment that really encourages people to become better people, then, then we are really, really excited about what we're doing. And I think faith does play a part in that. Now, for everyone, they don't, they don't necessarily view it that way that it's faith that it's that's god's involved but at least for the people that it's really important that they provide those opportunities it is it is absolutely a, a variable that comes into play that's outstanding um what one of the things that that sort of pops out also besides building a, a culture that is spiritually in line with with you um speak a little bit about the concerns i think a lot of people have within a corporate world that you know, it's only about kind of the, the bottom line. And does that, do you see, I guess the, the question would be, do you see that the person that shows up and, 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 you know, as a whole and that's growing as a person, even though, you know, it used to be that the office wasn't a place where you would sort of see it as an extension for fixing your marriage. If you are seeing people that are growing, do you feel that that fundamentally does impact your bottom line? Or is it that you have a, you have a bottom line and you have a business and then also you're in the you're in the you know career of helping other people grow does that make sense it does make sense and i guess i do need to clarify too you know during the normal work day um you know we've got a couple of hundred people here at headquarters in wilmington north carolina and during the work day this isn't a topic that specifically comes up we don't have breakouts and meetings to talk about religion faith god or, or whatever um you know we, we provide those opportunities uh if people are seeking them we absolutely do that but during the normal work day for those people that that's not how they're wired they're never really confronted with it directly they might see a company email saying hey we've got this opportunity or that opportunity and they, they can ignore it but um, you know, to, to go back to your question here, you know, what, one of the types of people that really struggle that come into our organization from the outside is that if they came from an environment where it was just a grind, you know, work 10, 12 hours a day and, you know, uh, bottom line at all costs, and we're kind of like, hey, you know, when it comes down to delivering a great project, 
or you know, maintaining a good relationship with a teammate, we would rather you have a, a better relationship with a teammate than necessarily put the project first. Like your priorities are out of order. And a lot of people have built their careers and reputation in a lot of organizations by being that bulldog and being that grinder and you know, being that, that person that just runs over the top of people. And that might work at other places, but that, that's not us. That's not what we're looking for. And we're not gonna fire them the first time. We'll coach them and, and point out that type of stuff. Um, but it, it is, it is sort of a culture shock to some people. I think eventually once they learn that we're real and that we're doing this because we want people to have that balance and, and be better people. I think even, if, even if it frustrates them because they want to be that grinder, I think they appreciate it and they, they, they get on board. Um, but you know, we've, I've been here six years, uh, at home office in my role and we have had a handful of people that come into the organization and it's just, it's not for them and that's okay. Uh, it, it has been a fantastic success for a, mass major, a, a vast majority of those people. So we'll take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I think it's such an important point to, to, to really articulate because so much of, I don't know, just if you look at the, like the Instagram world and the, the hustle world and like just work, work, work. And from anyone that works with more than one person or in a family or in an environment like that, that just, you can't steamroll over people and, and, and people are showing up as, you know, more of a whole, I mean, again, if a person doesn't properly deal with the different components of their life and like kind of shuts it down and becomes singularly focused, things are going to blow up and it's going to, it's going to mess everything up down the road. So I think that's a very important and unique way of looking at it. Tell me a little bit about, I know that you, you've given the TED talk and, and you do a lot of public speaking, which apparently is, you know, people's number one biggest uh, fear. How did you get good at public speaking? What are some tips for presentation in public speaking? And how important is it to be a good communicator? Oh man, a lot in, in, in that series of questions. I was fortunate at a young, now I did not like the speaking in, in high school, college. Like everybody else, I dreaded it, I avoided it, I tried to, to dodge it. But one of my first jobs, I had to do a lot of interviews and I had to do some group training. And so I was introduced very quickly, thrown into the fire. And I realized that, you know, if you were able to deliver a message and able to, to connect with people, that, that it really, A, you're able to make an impact. And, and when, what's amazing is when you deliver a really good message, and, and I'm sure you're, you're familiar with this too, you deliver a good message, the number of people that will reach out to you and, and connect with you and say, hey, you said, you know, you said this the other day, and I, I, man, it really struck a nerve with me. But the, the amount of times I've come out of giving a message that people reach out to me and share things with me that otherwise they never would have is, is amazing. So I, I really, I did not know that going into it. I just pictured a lot of people sitting there taking notes and going on with their lives. But when you, when you deliver a great message, it really does open up some people and then they seek advice, counsel, or they will give you advice at times. So um, I was pleasantly surprised in my younger career how often that was happening. And so moving forward, I think in regards to delivering a, a really good message, I think that the thing that some people struggle with is they use their brain a lot more than they use their heart and their senses. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll write out an entire talk and they'll memorize that talk. And it might be really, really good content. But as human beings, a lot of times, what we write and what we feel and say are different, you know? So I always encourage people, instead of trying to write out the whole talk, just have a topic and talk about it and record yourself and the things that you say and come, you know, your heart is speaking to you. You're not trying to figure the structure and the, you know, what, what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and how it connects. Just be yourself because the most important thing, whether you're coaching somebody one-on-one -on -one or you're on a stage, 
is you got to be the same person. You know, you can't you can't be up there, you know, looking like you're uh, trying to put on a show or an act because then then you kind of lose it. So, um, you know, I'm I'm passionate about the topic public speaking. I really am, and you know, we have a a, a lot of team members. We do a, a public speaking course here um, that we we run typically each quarter, and we encourage people to get up, do a five minute message, do a ten minute message, and of course. I think most people are aware of how much that can relieve your anxiety with just everyday tasks of giving the best, you know, a best man speech or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So we're, we're big believers in, in giving messages when, if you're capable. So. Do you ever worry about oversharing? Cause I think that that's you know, something that I, I speak a fair amount about is this concept of, of authenticity and what's considered being authentic and sharing your heart. And then, you know, it's just like, the, you always, it's, it's a hard thing sometimes to nail, nail down in the sense that you want a person to express themselves. On the other hand, you're like, whoa, that's, that's kind of out, of out of touch. How do you deal with that um, with people you coach? And how do you deal with that with yourself in terms of you thinking to yourself, like, should I share this message or should I communicate in a certain way? It's funny. Um, uh, if I had my wallet with me, I'd show you. I always, I always write down my five most important goals. And my first two years here, I'd written down a goal to be more private. So do I struggle with it? Amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you hit a nerve there for something I struggle with. And, you know, uh, Dwayne Hickson, our CEO, I had shared that with him. He's like, nah, man. He said, dude, you, you gotta, you gotta be yourself and, and don't be afraid of, of, you know, letting it out there. And, um, because I would, I'd get on stage and I end up telling a story going on a, on a tangent and I'm like, man, should I be doing this? Am I, am I showing a weakness here that maybe I shouldn't in my position? And he's like, nah, it makes you human. And by, by showing those things that are a lot of people can relate to, it gives them more confidence. It gives them more ability to connect with you. And so I kind of, I, I really did a 180 uh, a couple of years ago. And I mean, I've shared some of the things I've struggled with the most. Uh, I talked about failure last year and some of my biggest failures, you know, I, as a, as a, as a young man, I had to go to anger management uh, counseling a couple of times. Anybody that knows me now would be like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's something that I used to struggle with, but now I think it's actually pretty important that those of us that are able to give messages, when you have these things that you struggle with, that you can share that because it, it makes you more real and more people are going to respond to you. What was the feeling like when you were in that process of sharing those very difficult things? Like, how are you, how are you like walking through that process in your mind? Because what you're saying, again, it's like you have like the two biggest fears in the world is like telling people what you actually believe and, and public speaking. So you put it together. It sounds like it's something that's pretty terrifying. So like what, was the, what were you thinking as you went through it? And, and, and what are some of the skills that you, you would tell people to, a lot, uh, you know, to relax those kind, of, those kind of concerns? Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, what I used to do, what I used to do is I would use third person stories. You know, I'd find something that was, similar to what I was going through and I'd be like, right. Hey, go over here, whatever. Um, so I was able to still, I think, make an impact at, at times, but when you're on stage and, or you're on a video or, or whatever you're doing to, to, to really share your heart, to, to open up, I think is, is, a is a transformation that I don't know how many people go through it, but once you do, it's sort of this weight off of you, you know? Um, and I think it, I don't want to spin this all back to faith or whatever, but you know, it's, if, if you're living right, you're doing things right, you know, no matter what I've done, right. It's okay. I've been forgiven. I forgive myself. And, and hopefully there's nothing too bad that, you know, that would get me in trouble. You know, it's, 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 I'm so confident in the fact that we as people go through these struggles, 
we have these challenges and we have even the way that we're, we're sort of made and the way we process things that, that are different from other people. I think that everyone knows somewhere deep down inside that we all have these struggles. We all have these battles. And so by sharing those and being more open, um, you know, some of them are, some of them are uncomfortable for me because I know if I, if I share a certain struggle and if there's somebody in, uh, hearing my message, that's, that's going through it at that moment, it might trigger some really interesting responses. So you, you got to do it with love and you can't, you can't be too over the top with your opinions on, on saying how to deal with this stuff. Cause you could have somebody sitting right in front of you who is in the fire right now. So I think that's the balance as you start sharing, it becomes a little bit, you know, where I get more worried. It's not about me sharing anymore. It's about me sharing a painful story that might trigger something where somebody thinks I'm insensitive to it because I'm like, I'm great. Everything, the world's fine. Or, so, or so what you're saying is the, 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 the caution has to be how are other people going to perceive this? Not necessarily what are they going to think about me, but maybe if they're in the middle of it, then this is going to, you know, I, I, again, if you're going to speak about a difficult topic, you have to be able to, you can't just like throw something out and then walk away. You have to figure out, am I going to have the breadth of, of, of um, experience or the opportunity to really cover this in a whole way that they can walk out feeling whole again. That's okay. fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. You, you clearly, I, I, one thing that's, you know, you, you come across as, as a person that cares deeply about the work that you do, have a lot of confidence in the process in yourself and your faith. How did you develop that? Or how does that continue like is there do you have like a, a a mentor in your life spiritually right now is it a lot of self-study like you know because i think that a lot of people want to feel comfortable with their faith and inspired by it but a lot of times it's like it's hard to do you know what i'm saying it is we're selfish by nature right i mean right. it's 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 the way we're made and um you know i guess it started very young for me i i did not i um um, I didn't become a believer until 2013. Um, I did not grow up uh, influenced by any of my family members. I, I never stepped into any church of any kind until I was in high school. Um, it was just, it was a foreign world to me. But that being said, as a very, as a very um, young child, my father and my grandfather specifically always had the attitude of, you know, be grateful for everything you have. There are a lot of people in this world that don't have it. And, you know, don't, don't ever take for granted anything. Um, and anytime I got out of line, anytime I got out of line with that and I wasn't treating other kids right or whatever, I was reminded very quickly. And so it was kind of hardwired into me to, to try to care about others first. I played sports and, you know, when you're on a team, it's about the team first. And so even though it wasn't necessarily connected to, to what I do today, I think it really set that foundation. And when I ran into people later in my life and my career in college, you know, I mentioned, I know in an article you did um, about, you know, Warren Rosenberg, um, you know, a professor that, man, he was, he was from a rough place and, you know, he dealt with some things. And, and I mean, I just, he, I connected to his story so much. And then to see how much he cared about people and how much he was caring about me, it just, when, and I, I have three or four other stories I could tell you, when, when people stepped in for me, you know, and, and what it meant to me in my life and the direction it headed me on the way it challenged me, I just... I enjoy that part of what I do more than anything else. I, I, you know, when I was in sales, I enjoyed watching somebody else break down the barriers and the feeling they were having better than me getting a sale myself. And, and now I'm not in sales. I've been in technology. Now I'm in operations. When people have opportunities and they're struggling and you're able to provide them perspective and, and care for them and cheer for them, almost believe in them more than they believe in themselves at times. And to see them come through it and just to know that you didn't do it for them, but you encouraged them and pointed them in the right direction. 
I don't know of anything else that I enjoy more. So maybe it's selfish. I just enjoy it that much um, that I, I kind of seek out those opportunities when I can. So um, I've just, I've been blessed. I really have. I've had, a, I've had a handful of mentors in my life that have made that much of an impact on me. So um, I just, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love that approach to life. So. I want to. I want to be mindful of your time. One final question: the 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 idea of mentorship. Let's say you know it's it's clear how important it is for you and how you benefited from it. If a person is looking to create a, to to, to find a mentor, what should they look for? Uh, I, I think when you find a true mentor, mentors. Um, it's we actually do. Again, we do a lot of things here. We we had a a, a mentorship sort of uh, approach here, and we actually paired some people up. and And I, I will tell you that didn't go as well as a lot of other plans because I think mentors happen naturally, right? Okay. Um, I think mentors. You can't say, "Hey, I would like to be your mentor." Will you be mine? And it necessarily works out. Um, and I will say this. I have different mentors for different areas of my life, right? So I have one person that I view as a mentor for me being a father. I mean, he's one of the best fathers I've ever seen in my early, my early years of being a father. I'm like, man, what would you do here? Like I'm, I'm vexed, I don't know how to handle this. And somebody else might be really uh, a good mentor in my career. So I have different mentors and some of my best mentors, I might not see them or talk to them for months at a time, and in some cases a couple of years. So I think when you're seeking out a mentor, I think the mistake a lot of people will make is they, they hope to get this mentor that is the one mentor for them to coach all aspects of their life. And again, we're all human. We usually have our strengths, excuse me. So I would encourage people to approach it as I have this specific thing that I, that I need work on. And man, I would like to find somebody that's good at this and, and seek their counsel, seek their advice. And you know, they'll mentor me there, but I'm not going to go to them for everything on my plate. I need, I need a handful of mentors that are going to influence me. And I, that's been my approach. And that's anytime we talk mentorship, I, I share that story because if you're looking for that one mentor, it's going to take a pretty special person to handle every phone call, every email that you're dealing with. You might be a little bit disappointed. Right. hundred percent. Amazing. Okay, Jim, how can people find out a little bit more about you and about N2 and the important work that you guys are doing? Oh, I, I'm not, I'm not very active out there as far as the, the social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter. I have an account, all that. Um, but you know, into publishing, um, you know, we have our website, it's the letter N, the number two, publishing. Um, and, um, you know, you can find us online there. Our social media team does a great job. Um, I did do the TEDx talk. So if you, if you Google uh, cultural nomics, that was the, top, the topic there. You'll see my thoughts on um, uh, the impact culture has on an organization and why it's so important that companies focus on it. But um, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. I've really enjoyed reading the, the work that you've done and, and um, uh, I appreciate you allowing me to come on your show. Thank you so much, Jim. It was a pleasure speaking with you. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.